Hey everybody, it's uh, Jim and Aaron, and we are back with yet another commission podcast. Uh, doing doing the old catch up, trying to get caught up to our our, uh, our our deep stack of commissions. And yeah, the great content drought of 2018 continues. Yes, with another three three podcast week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sh- Sean Ray contributed this one. Now, if you recognize the name Sean Ray, it's because he is famous for commissioning the Insidious volumes one and two. Wonder how excited he is about the the next Insidious. It looks pretty scary. I'm excited Mm -hmm. about it. Uh, And also the Coen Brothers directorial debut, Blood Simple. Mm -hmm. Uh, This time he was motivated by our discussion of American Gangster and our love for Ridley Scott uh, to to do a deep deep cut to 1989 police hard-boiled thriller, uh, Black Rain. Yeah. Starring Michael Douglas, um, uh, Andy Garcia bunch of other people mm-hmm. like the chief of staff from west wing is in here uh, okay Stephen fry is it, isn't it it's not Stephen fry it's Stephen root Stephen root comes out of nowhere as an eternal oh, affairs officer god you'll see a very young wet behind the ears Stephen root trying to catch a wily old uh michael not even that old yeah, oldish trying to pin him to the wall on some on, some on turns some, out some, not some, so bogus some charges. Up police corruption. Actually, charges. no. They're, why, they're exactly. Why can't you, why as can't you skim? Why can't you skim at the top if you're a cop? <laughs> right. You know, they got a family. I got divorced. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Just you know, not pay my ex-wife. Uh, let's talk about this movie. Um, it's also this okay. is so this movie is noteful for a couple of reasons I want to talk about, but also uh, historically it's the first collaboration between uh, Ridley Scott and Hans Zimmer. Hmm. Who have done just just tons and tons of work together? Uh, Gladiator, Thelma and Louise, Hannibal, Black Hawk Down, Matchstick Men, um, to name just a few. Jim, what did you think about this movie? Um, so I think unlike uh, the other commissions that Sean Ray has done, uh, this is the first movie that I didn't quite appreciate in the way that I think he would have liked me to. Hmm. Um, it, it's not a bad movie. I don't think it's. It's particularly bad. I think it just is so entrenched in the formulas of the genre as I see them that it it never breaks free and it never becomes very interesting for me. I, it has a style to it, and I think it's more style over substance here. Yeah, unfortunately. And and there's that's the thing. Like a lot of this movie just feels very dated in terms of like messaging and imagery, and like even yeah. the score. Uh, the things that don't are, uh, you know, Ridley Scott knows how to shoot a scene. Sure. And there's a lot yeah. of things where I felt like he was really hammering uh, Japan into a Blade Runner shape. Oh, absolutely! Like, like during the, 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 the flight into Osaka, mm-hmm. like that industrial, like plumes coming out, is very reminiscent of like you know just just the Blade Runner cityscape, and then the like the 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 version of like the I guess the Japanese version of Times Square, you know, their central. Or yeah. There's just like giant billboards of geisha girls drinking coke. That's that that no, that's mm-hmm. actually Blade Runner. Sorry, I got yeah. my wires confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like. <laughs> There, I, I think Michael Douglas is not a conventional action star. You can make Michael Douglas work in badass roles like Falling Down. I don't think he's a laudable badass. He's a complicated no. badass, but yeah. he has certainly got a f- kind of fero- ferocious, uh, you know, scary kind of vibe to him. That honestly, he could have. I, I think. If he had gone less John McClane and more falling down, buttoned down by the book guy who snapped because of something mm-hmm. like you know the, the, a divorce that he can't afford and the death of his partner, mm-hmm. they might it might have worked better because like I just this movie was, was fighting uphill because number one Sean Ray was asking uh, like it like in my mind it was connected to American Gangster and I'm like oh this might be another one oh. of those gems mm-hmm. that I'm kind of like overlooked and then the first five minutes. Michael Douglas rocks a look <laughs> that I can only describe as what Philip from the Americans would wear as disguise when he's hitting on 14-year-olds. Okay, that's fair. Uh, like, like, I expect I, I him to, cur- to, to roar off after he won the motorcycle race and hit up some 14-year-old blonde with Beatles records and a, and a dime bag of weed. Uh-huh. You know? Like, it's... it's, it's it is, once I saw that, I, couldn't, I could not unsee. I, I was thinking, like, the... I guess old old man version of Kurt Russell, 
um, from from a lot of his movies. He's not like even Big Trouble that. in Little China. He's not even pulling that. It's the hair. Ass. It's the hair. It's the hair yeah. for sure. It's the hair. And Michael Douglas, good looking guy. Sure. I'm yeah. sure he's one of People's Magazine's sexiest man alive. Probably. But not with this hair. <laughs> not with that leather jacket. I not, feel like not there was these, not with these undercover detective suits. There was absolutely a role for Michael Douglas to play in the eighties, and he played that superb superbly. Wall like Street. Wall Street is sure. a fantastic role for Michael Douglas. Right. Uh Fatal th- Attraction, this, right? Like long haired Kurt Russell esque badass is not really th- what I picture him as, I suppose. Right. Right. So yeah, uh, it threw me a little bit. Let's get to let's get to Sean's feedback, and then we can talk about the movie some more. Okay. Uh, he says, "Hey guys, I listened to your American Gangster podcast today, and that commissioner asked you to rank American Gangster in the pantheon of Ridley Scott films. And Black Rain is another Ridley Scott film. It so is. If you don't, it is. This is all facts. <laughs> yes. Facts. So if you don't mind, would you please rank Black Rain with the other Ridley Scott films you've seen? Oh boy, as okay, well as rank and it. compare contrast this film with other possible badass '80s action films. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the '89 neo noir Ridley Scott film Black Rain. I really enjoy watching Ridley's films because I think he's a master at transporting the audience to places they've never been before, whether it's Alien, Blade Runner, or Black Rain. Even though this isn't sci-fi, I feel like he does a great job of portraying Japan in an otherworldly quality as we, as the audiences, are fish out of water uh, like Michael Douglas or Andy Garcia. This begins as just another 80s cop movie that comes complete with cheesy motorcycle race and a rough-around-the-edges dirty cop just trying to pay his child support. But once Nick and Charlie get over to Japan, I feel it becomes something more. Or at least tries to be. Uh, he talks about some of his favorite scenes that maybe we can get around to uh, with at the end of the podcast. And also, I want to return to the whole ranking of Ridley Scott to the end of the podcast as well. Okay. Um, I think a lot of things you're talking about here, Sean, is certainly stick out. And I so there's a lot of themes in this movie that I want to talk about. Um, like, M- Michael Douglas is essentially the walking, ugly American stereotype. Yeah. He comes into this situation. The setup is um, Michael Douglas is perhaps a dirty cop. He's under investigation by the Internal Affairs uh, Bureau division. Andy Garcia is his younger kind of straight-laced detective partner. Mm-hmm. Although equally, no, he's, he's he's flat. I think he's dirty too. He's he's yeah, wearing yeah. eighty dollars sh- loafers and he's flashing his mm-hmm. clothes around. Like yeah, maybe they're in on it together. Yeah. Um, but he believes that that uh, that that uh, he's he's not dirty. Uh, Michael Douglas isn't dirty, and they are after a, a fairly disastrous interview with Eternal Affairs, mm-hmm. where Michael Douglas essentially pounds a table and says, "I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Fine. I'm guilty. But what about the other politicians? You know, <laughs> uh, that's that's never that his his lawyer was like appropriately uh, chagrined at this." They're having a drink out, uh, and they're kind of like eyeballing the local mafia. And suddenly, a bunch of Yakuza dudes come in and brutally assassinate these Japanese gentlemen that are having lunch with the the, ma- the mafia. And they get into this protracted gun battle, and um, it ends up with Michael Douglas uh, capturing this one Japanese guy. And he fights for the right to transport him to justice over in Japan. Mm-hmm. Okay, Movie so that's- over. That's the setup of the movie. Unfortunately, the Yakuza does <laughs> something. They pull the old switcheroo on they, them. They pull this, yeah, it's not even sophisticated. It's just they basically yeah. show up in trench coats and say, we'll take it from here, buddy. Uh-huh. And Michael Douglas is like, whatever. And they say it in Japanese so that he, nobody understands it from right. America. And, right. and they get away with it. And like the thing is that he's in full John McClane, like, look here, pal. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it across the ocean in an entirely different culture of different people and histories and stuff but here in america we do it this way and i i it's it's embarrassing because andy garcia is <laughs> going around like he refers to a japanese guy as a racial slur for japanese mm-hmm. as he's asking if anyone in this this office speaks english mm-hmm. What's funny about that is, of course, at least half the people in this police office speak English uh-huh. because almost everywhere you go in the world, Americans are the most monolingual peoples on the planet. Mm. And if a Japanese guy came to fucking New York City and went to like a, a, a random precinct and wanted – like there's no way in hell anyone yeah. would speak Japanese. Right. But Michael Douglas is not aware of the contradiction of that and just expects the entire world to bend, to, to bend to his will and whims. 
Yeah, no, I I do not like the Michael Douglas character throughout this entire film. Right. Um, it's it's not even just because you you think and and I think the movie thinks that it does a better job at this of coming mm-hmm. to some kind of equilibrium between Michael Douglas and the Japanese detective that he's paired up with. Uh, but I don't think it does. No. I, I think the final gesture of this movie is basically the Americans saying, hey, we're going to do things our way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you should probably do them that way, too, because they're awesome. Right. Uh, and, and that's the attitude that Michael Douglas carries with him throughout this entire movie is, I don't care how you do it. Uh-huh. I'm I'm a cop from New York. Like, we right. have the toughest New York, like cop jobs on the planet. Right. Uh, we know best. And I just don't. I don't like anything about his attitude. Well, like the whole thing where... He's just an asshole. And the worst thing about it is, like, he's paired up with this cop who I think would be a cool guy if he weren't with Michael Douglas. I was just saying that Andy Garcia is the one that actually makes headway in kind of bridging the cultural gap because he's actually putting forth an effort. (laughs) Right. An effort to be friendly, an effort to be polite and respectful, an effort to... He doesn't disdain the other culture. He... He wants to show them some of what he's about, like, like, but like, he's what, also willing to know what they're about. Yeah, like what would Michael Douglas do if a Japanese cop came over to investigate something in New York City and Michael Douglas put out his hand for a handshake and the, the Japanese guy just spit in it? <laughs> like that's essentially uh-huh. like, you know, Andy Gasser is trying to do the respectful bow. Yeah. And Michael Douglas doesn't have time for any of that bullshit. Right. Um, yeah, and there's like, I don't. Like, like, there is some interesting things where, like, Michael Douglas tries to hoist the Japanese cops on their own petard. Like, you know, this cop has got a problem with the fact that Michael Douglas is dirty. Uh-huh. Which I have a problem Which with, I do too. too. Yep. Um, and yet Michael Douglas tries to make the, 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 the like, every point he tries to make, like, it, it's strongly implied, and I have to watch the movie again to see if it's, it's actually true, if it's just something I picked up. It's, it's strongly implied that the Japanese police are super corrupt, that they are kind of looking the way the, the other way and letting this gang war kind of work itself out, and that maybe the mm-hmm. police chief is actually protecting the upstarts against the, you know, the entrenched Japanese Yakuza, the, the older Japanese Yakuza. Potentially, I feel like they don't follow up enough with that. If that's I, what they're going for, I felt for. like too. Like some, it could just be because like the times where it looks like interference, Michael Douglas is just waving a gun crazy right. in public, something that he's been warned that he cannot do. Right. As a police officer, it's like you know he's a crazy guy that gets taken down by a bunch of Jap. Is that because the Japanese cops are in on Sato's scheme, or is it because? because Michael Douglas is waving a country in, in, in a country that you don't. That the, the don't have guns on the street, right. waving a pistol around and screaming in a crowded public area, yeah, <laughs> and causing mass hysteria. Yeah, either one would be a plausible explanation. He's and also I, a six foot two American, loudly screaming and waving it. Like, like, like he yeah. tried. Michael Douglas takes the point on a surveillance operation. Mm-hmm. The giant American wearing a trench coat with yeah. a ludicrously huge walkie-talkie. <laughs> like, why can't the Japanese his Japanese partner be the point guy on the ground? Right. Like, try to blend in. <laughs> like, you sit back and, and pull up the wheels. You know, let 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 the let the, the was it Maz? Uh, I think that's the his partner. Uh, yeah, Maz Masa. They they call him. Uh, a couple of different let things. that guy take point and and be on the enormous the enormous walkie talkie. Yeah, no, at least he'll blend in a little bit better, right? Than, than your conspicuous American ass just waving a gun around. Right, right, right. Uh, no, and I also have this huge problem with the attitude of, "Hey, I got a family, so skimming off the top, being dirty is cool." Yeah, his defense, like I thought they would like his kid got really sick or something, but like uh-huh. it, it's essentially like when the guy accuses him of being dirty. Uh, Michael Douglas is like, hey man, I was going through a divorce. I mm-hmm. had like, what, what was what was I supposed to do? Yeah, and you know, to his credit, the Japanese cops like, look, uh, you are disgracing yourself and your partner by acting like this as a police officer. Mm-hmm. Like you and and I'm like, yeah, that there is no comeback to that because if you if like a cop picks you up for anything and you're like, hey man, look, I'm just trying to feed my kids. Guess how much sympathy you would get? <laughs> right, you would get zero sympathy. You would use that as an admission of guilt. And you would be reamed out by the legal process, rightfully so. By that exact same cop who is justifying taking money off the top for his own family. Right. Like, maybe you sell your Harley. Uh-huh. Maybe you stop doing illegal underground racing under the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> but he made 50 bucks. He made that. 50 bucks. Yeah. Like, maybe that's that's also part of the illegal things that he has to do to make mm-hmm. to make money, to, to make ends meet. 
Yep. But yeah, like it's it's funny because the movie itself doesn't make doesn't do a whole lot to win us over to Michael Douglas' side. It's just that he's not as boring as the Japanese police officers. So mm. and he talks his partner into being you know, like doing a whole bunch of crazy American cop John McClane bullshit, which yeah. is cool. Like I did, I do feel like the the death of Andy Garcia. It doesn't make sense because it feels like that's a very foolish thing for the accuser to do, to murder an American cop on Japanese soil in a very showy way. Mm-hmm. But it did – it's the first time in the movie where I'm like, okay, because I really liked Andy Garcia and his character. Uh, but it's the first time in the movie like, okay, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of on board with this revenge thing now. I've had enough yeah. of this upstart young Yakuza that wants to murder everybody and he just fucking killed Andy Garcia and his magnificent chest hair and he needs to die. <laughs> I didn't notice the chest hair, but how did you I, not know? Yeah, I, I I would like to see Andy Garcia with his shirt off now. Okay, because from what I could tell from his unbuttoned shirt, it has got like a grizzly bear pelt. <laughs> a uh, grizzly bear pelt is is from at least his groin to the very the the, the, the his collarbone. Hmm. Um, I, and I'm like, that's just I that's that's crazy amount of body hair, and like not even like. Your conventional kind of curly pubic kind of body hair. It's like it, it looked like a pelt, like a pelt. Oh, like straight, like fur, like 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 like, like I don't want to say worse because I, I like as a as a hairy man himself, I'd be running my own my, my own self down. But like just a just an improbably solid pelt of hair, hmm. like Austin Powers esque, only more so. All right, well, good for you, Andy. Yeah, I gotta see <laughs> I gotta see to a picture of Andy Garcia with his shirt off now. Uh, that was definitely the scene that like. I guess brought me halfway around on this movie uh-huh. because up until that point I was not enjoying much of this movie and then there was the scene in I guess it was like a train station or something um, uh, right before Andy Garcia gets killed where the guy on the motorcycle comes in and he tries to do this stupid you know uh, matador thing and the guy yanks his coat and <laughs> takes it and I was like yes that's awesome uh, and there was just a couple funny lines there and then yeah, once he ran down there, and the shot where Andy Garcia is killed, and you see Michael Douglas behind that mm-hmm. fence, is just a really beautiful shot. It is. There's a lot, lot of really good looking stuff in this. Like um, I said, Ridley Scott knows how to fucking shoot. Like, yeah. he's just. I, I this movie made me realize that that Ridley Scott is just a much better version of Michael Bay. He's like the richest hmm. man's version of Michael Bay because they both know how to work the magic hour. They both sure. know how to get like really cool dynamic shots, even when there's not a lot going on. They like the idea. Like there's there's a couple things where like they were filming some of this motorcycle stuff, and they like framed the shot in a particular link of a chain link fence. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that I just like wow wow that's that's it, it's stuff that's like you. It's 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 throwaway kind of elegance in filmmaking um, that you get kind of for free. Like, cause I've never sure. seen I've never seen a bad looking Ridley Scott film. No, never. I've seen Ridley Scott films I thought were pointless or wrongheaded, such as the latest mm-hmm. Aliens movie. But I've never been like, boy, that just thing looks like total dog shit. No. Um. And part of that, I guess, comes down to this movie was actually shot by the guy who did Speed later on, or was about to go on to do Speed. So he knows a little bit about shooting action and yeah. Dynamis, dynamicism. Yeah, dynamicism. absolutely. Uh, the other thing that was interesting is like I was shocked, and I would never have, I never would have suspected this that this movie was primarily shot in California. Oh, I yeah. assumed, and, and it was a, it was shot in Japan because they, you know, there obviously there's a lot of establishing shots in Japan, but when they get to this scene towards the end of the film where there's this like gun battle in a. Uh, iron smelting for, for uh, uh, a facility. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's the scene where Arnold gets melted in Terminator 2. Okay. I'm utterly convinced I've seen those exact same shots and I looked it up and I'll be damned if I wasn't right that that was actually filmed at the California Steel uh, uh, I- Industry Building in Fontana, California. In fact, I guess they intended to shoot the majority of this in ja- Japan, but there was problems with the Japanese film officials and getting the permit so they're just like fuck it we'll just do some very quick establishing street shots and film everything in America hmm. um, yeah that's surprising but it, they it, do a really good job yeah they, they do a pretty good job faking it um, I, I, there are like a lot of scenes in very close quarters kind of alleys um, mm-hmm. where you get a lot of like storefronts and stuff and mm-hmm. it all has the feel of Japan so oh, yeah. uh, I think they do that well and also like they must have 
rigged up these trucks. So th- these these crazy ass trucks. Were you noticing those throughout the film? No. Just I man, how did you not notice them? They're literally flashing lights on every inch of these trucks, these semis, and that's like the a subculture in Japan where semi drivers and truck drivers, like we think of American truck drivers like fancying up their trucks and stuff, mm-hmm. the semi drivers. Mm-hmm. Japan takes it to another level. Man. Really, it's crazy. Okay, so yeah. they're not like they're not like billboard trucks. They're just trucks that the guys have gussied yeah. up. Right, with just a ton of lights, like hundreds of lights and huh. and crazy fins and all sorts of stuff. Wow. And they were just all over the place. Like, they'd randomly pop up, like Michael Douglas would be running down a street, and then, oh, three trucks behind him, all with flashing crazy no, lights. No, I, I did not notice any of just that. Just like I didn't notice Andy Garcia's chest. <laughs> you didn't, yeah. It's, it's, Maybe I if guess they put some lights on it. Yeah, you did, yeah if they, you, they've strung it up like a Douglas fir, <laughs> uh, I, you, you would have noticed. But um, yeah. Or maybe if there was like a, like, like, like a pelt of... If, if they did did it at all like monster fur, uh-huh. if the trucks, I would have noticed that right away. But uh, uh, but no, that's the thing. Like, so Terminator Two came out, or probably was produced roughly two years after this film. I'm convinced that James Cameron lifted a lot of stuff from this film because hmm. uh, I I think he would have seen it. He would have yeah. seen it as a Scott film. And he would have gone to see it, and he's like, I love this smelting location. It's essentially used in the same way too. Um, mm-hmm. there's like a lot of like motorcycle shots, like the, like Andy Garcia sprinting after this guy on a dirt bike, which is very reminiscent of the T-1000. By the way, unless you're a T-1000, don't go fucking running after a motorcycle. <laughs> it's, yeah. You're just asking a guy to fuck with you or worst case scenario, murder you. Uh, like it's not, you're not going to like flying tackle him off his motorcycle. He can go zero to 60 in like 2.3 seconds and your broke ass <laughs> can't run faster than 20 miles an hour. Just, just stop. Your best bet is to give up, and he might get bored and drop your coat, and you can go slink, slink over and get it. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of like shots that really reminded me of the the, the Terminator Two, and I, I I I tried to do a little bit of research to see if like I saw like James Cameron like say like oh I saw Black Rain and I knew I had my third act of my movie. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find anything like that, hmm. but it's striking how much of those images map one like even similar camera moves panning over similar uh, parts of the steel factory. Um, the fact that you got this tense kind of like shootout and like you know hunting people through this thing, it's like it, it is very. All you needed is a liquid nitrogen truck to to ram in, brightly colored. Yeah, Christmas trees all over, uh, Christmas tree lights all over the place. All you need is that, and then it would be Terminator Two. Yeah, um, it, it's it's remarkable, you know, how much this movie does feel like Blade Runner in places too. We've we've talked a little bit about it, but this is like the most neo of neo noir kind sure. of movies you know whereas blade runner is like the prime example of that mm-hmm. this is sort of like a, a toned down version of it or or maybe the most extreme example i've seen of it in a real world setting right that isn't like some fictionalized future um so i i think that's I don't why know. I a like lot of americans lot. like going to japan because it does feel like you're living 20 years in the future all the time right right um and, and i do like the style of this movie a lot i there there are a lot of things like those crazy trucks in the background uh Sato's glasses are are just crazy. They look mm-hmm. like something out of like Ghost in the Shell mm-hmm. or just these crazy, almost steampunk looking glasses. Um, very cool. Uh, and I I like I think I like the soundtrack. They're they're doing the best they can with the sense of the ages. I was gonna say to, I, try I, to me that shit to squeak out some kind of like hybrid of Japanese American neo noir. Mm-hmm detective thing like i think i like it i felt it i felt it felt fairly dated it does it does but like if you took that because i'm thinking of movies like drive and movies Uh, of like um kind of the modern renaissance of that style mm -hmm. um and they have much better tools right but in 1989 you had these moves that 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 were like kind of there or getting there and they try to do the best they could with him. You think Dave Porter's soundtrack for Breaking Battlefield dated <laughs> in like 20 years? Uh probably. Yeah. Cuz I'd feel or, like or certainly of the time, yeah. Hmm, I wonder because like to me it's such a he makes such interesting and weird choices that mm-hmm. it's like it's never going to feel dated. Like there's a couple things you can do. Like Godfather score doesn't feel dated, sure, yeah. because well, it's a period piece number one, and those always yeah. kind of feel timeless. And I guess that's what you should always. If if I was making a movie uh, and I wanted to be 
like a movie for the ages, I would try to go for something like that because they do feel timeless. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes it works, like we talked about in the movie Seven. But that movie is aggressively of the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's almost a period piece filmed. Well, I mean, I guess that's what it is, yeah. right? Like like Taxi sure. Driver isn't a period piece, but it looks like one now because it was set in the time, and you know, you get some of that stuff for free. I, I uh-huh. guess maybe maybe some eras are more are less timeless than others. Yeah, like I think the, the 80s 70s, age poorly. The late 80s, <laughs> the mid 90s, maybe it's all maybe maybe that's I'm I'm stumbling into something that uh style is fickle and mm-hmm. it's like but I was it's funny cuz I was my wife and I turned on the PlayStation a couple weeks back and they were touting that all eight Harry Potter films are now on HBO Go. Huh. And we're like, holy shit, we can have an ABC family weekend any weekend we want. <laughs> and we watched a couple of them and I was watching the third one. I'm like, Daniel Radcliffe looks like a teenager, a stylish teenager now. Like like uh, hmm. Emma Watson is dressed like a stylish teenager now. Fucking Ron Weasley, whoever he he, he he looks like a stylish. Like, how does this movie that was made 10, 12 years ago? Like, they they I I, I don't know because it's not like hmm. they were wearing w- weird wizard robes or stuff. It's just like <laughs> okay. they were wearing like contemporary kids' clothes and they still look like they could fit in. And I think if you went back to the 90s, they'd still look kind of cool. That's There's a way to do they're, that. They're kind of in the uncanny valley of nostalgia, like style yeah. style nostalgia at this point. Like yeah. to, to be from like the early 2000s and to have had a style that you could consider cool today right. is a damn tough thing to pull off. Really? It is. Give it another 10 years and yeah. it'll be back in fashion. But like, Or you can do some things that are just a force. Like I feel like the bride in her iconic tracksuit was pretty dated and kind of retro but it was cool because it's aping like you know bruce lee stuff and like you like the association of the character and the fact that she's such so ferocious and badass it kind of like works but there's Mm -hmm. none of that here like they're wearing big double-breasted suits with like you know silk ties with super skinny knots and Mm -hmm. like andy garcia would not have been out of place in wall street no like the movie right 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 yeah uh, yeah, and, and it definitely feels like the 80s, but... The other thing I was excited okay. about this film that I was ultimately disappointed about was Kate Capshaw, who mm-hmm. is also known as the worst thing about the terrible Indiana Jones uh, uh-huh. and and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> she's just a... Like, she stands out in... She's like she's like is like like if there is only one Bond girl that sucked or was forgettable or annoying in James Bond like that's kind of like her for Indiana Jones because all the like I really like Elsa from the third one I really like Marion from the first one mm-hmm. uh, but Kate Capshaw's character in in the Temple of Doom is just terrible yeah the character is bad it's like every second she's on screen but I'm like but there was something interesting about her herself. That I'm like, you know, if I ever get a chance to watch her in something, I think it'd be cool. And I noticed she got like third billing right underneath uh, Douglas and Garcia, and I'm like, ah, oh, cool. Hmm. Um, I could totally, I'm, I'm really interested. But they don't really give her much to do. No, they don't. She's not offensive. She's not bad, but like, she also didn't like completely blow me away. And also, she's essentially just exposition. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, she's the breadcrumbs that lead Michael Douglas to the bad guy. Right, and the fact that they're running like it, like she 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 puts together a lot of stuff for him that I kind of feel like feels a little bit like lazy screenwriting. Like Michael Douglas could have actually done some investigating and sweated, but he's like he just found the first American girl he could see and like you know right. turned on the Michael Douglas charm and I don't know. Also, there's a big scene later where he's like thanks her for picking the right team, and I'm like, where mm-hmm. did this come from? Because she hasn't really. It's like well, she gave him information that led him, to, I guess, to to Sugai. Yeah, but there was no like existential soul searching. I mean, she did say like, "Oh, you're getting over your head, and you don't know what you're doing here, and yeah, you're a you're a gay guy gene, and you'll never you're just a foreigner barbarian, and you should keep your head down." But like that scene is also the scene where she gave him information about the the gang war and the counterfeiting operation and all that right. stuff. So. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like it was Should a weird it simmer like, a little. Like maybe there was another scene where there was a little bit more to that, and they cut it because the other thing is that the film was over two hours, and it felt kind of long. Mm-hmm. I thought. In fact, is one of those things where like I thought the third act was concluding, and 
there's 40 more minutes of film to go. Because <laughs> oh, that boy. was like, like I felt like the climax of the film was going to be in that steel factory. But no, there was this like, yeah. you know, rice paddy invasion. Well, I knew that the on. film was not going to, or the climax of the film would involve Michael Douglas on a motorcycle. That's the one thing that I was 100% sure yes, of. Yes, because else why have the just ridiculous street yeah. racing scene underneath the, the I, That's what bridge. I mean when I say it's so formulaic as to mm-hmm. be, you know, not interesting This to is me. Chekhov's Harley. Right. Be, be, be ready for it to come back, come back later. And that's fine, but it's, you know, it's a little predictable. The other um, thing is, like, I thought when they kept the, the mystery of what's in the box, mm-hmm. you know, what's in the box? Um... I thought that would be a lot more interesting than the one it ended, it ended up being revealed in. Like, yeah. I thought it was going to be some kind of, like, I don't know, fucking calligraphy set or some stone tea. Like, like it's some something kind of, Michael Douglas wouldn't understand. Some, yeah, something, he like, very need... distinct to Yakuza culture that, like, right. would would mean be very meaningful for the the people that were fighting the war, but an outsider would be like, the fuck? Yeah, that's the one thing they don't get into at all is, like, the Yakuza culture. They do a little. Like, there's a couple things. Like, in 89, like, this guy cutting us. Like, we know a lot about Yakuza culture because, sure. pe- like, we've been fascinated with it for several decades, but... I'm sure the this finger is, thing is like the one thing. Yeah, and uh, the tattoos, uh, like the fact that they got these like full like I, full I guess body they, sleeve they tattoos. They never like they never clue Michael Douglas in to well, the he, thing. He's which, compl- he doesn't. He's so so he he's so he proud to be shit, ignorant yeah. about that. Right, that, that's true. That's yeah. fair. Um, It'd be and like, me and again, as a viewer, I understand that. But I, I wanted a I sequel to this just so Moss could come over to United States and tell Michael Douglas to blow it out his ass about Cosa Nostra and like he, he he's trying to explain how the Italian mob works and all that. And like, uh-huh. he's like ah, fuck you, man. <laughs> right. You know, uh, I the uh, but yeah, it turned out to be a counterfeit operation, which I feel like. They, one of the other thesis of the movies was that, like, there's this um, Yakuza, but also kind of, I guess, Japanese businessman, where he's talking about the counterfeit operation that, and, and you know, Michael Douglas is saying, like, oh, you know, I could tell your bills are phony, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, oh, that's because that was just a prototype, the the actual counterfeiting plates that they're in this box. Are you talking about the guy who, when he speaks English, sounds like Jabba the Hutt? Oh, I thought he sounded like the Japanese Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, his what? voice is amazing. That can't be his voice, right? They I, got a separate actor and they ran him through like a maybe a synthesizer. And I think he's the character and... that died of bladder cancer like a month after this thing got done fil- filming. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I got him. Like he's the Japanese Darth Vader. And he sounds amazing, but he's got this line about like you know the the final product is like everything else we do. It's a perfect copy, and I'm like. Is that a sly, not so sly dig at hmm. like Japanese, like 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 you know that could be the the executive of Sony bragging about his copy of a Panasonic Hi-Fi stereo receiver, right, right. And there was a little bit of that, like like because like it's hard for me because there was like this kind of Asian panic, like oh my yeah. god, Japan's going to take over the world. They're buying up all of our real estate and they own all of Hawaii and like you know like this, yeah. Now this this stuff and like I'm thinking like this movie was kind of like in, in, in of a piece with like this like Steve Gutenberg gung ho which I know is a giant racist piece of shit movie hmm. but there was a lot of that kind of in the cultural milieu and I I wondered if that was just kind of like American audience are laughing up their sleeves about like the Japanese ultimate end game is just copying our money like eliminate all the middlemen and <laughs> just start so, just yeah. start just start fabricating Benjamins sure and how did I feel about that and my my brain's yeah. out. I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing. I think this movie is trying to do something to bridge cultures. I think it just fails. Or, yeah, no, or it's, it's so not, of the time. It's, it's not so, completely wrongheaded for sure. It's so like entrenched in the ideas of of race relations between those two countries in the right. 80s. And there's, there's a lot can, of... It can't satisfy me as a 2017, 2018 viewer. Let's even. say there's a lot of broad characterizations of the Japanese being, like even the evil ones, quote unquote, being consumed with the idea of duty and honor sure like like michael douglas who has no duty and no honor is lectured constantly by the police by kate uh uh capshaw by the fucking yakuza's about duty and honor duty and honor duty and honor duty and honor like that's like that is the that is a japanese note that they hit uh over and over and michael douglas 
comes back with like, oh, you got to know when to ignore your head and grab your ball. He says so much <laughs> stupid shit. Like he yeah. goes to he goes to question one of the people they have in custody and he begins it with a headbutt. Uh-huh. And when the Japanese are like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, hey, man, I just want to talk with them. I just want to talk like <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And the guy's like the guy comes up to him, and says, hey, look, this this is a quote from movie. This isn't New York City. There are rules. Right. Right. And, like, and I. Like that's the thing. I don't know where to draw the line and say, "Hey, the there are bad parts of American culture and there are bad parts of Japanese culture because Certainly. they're very, very different cultures." Because if you want to idolize Japanese culture, you got a couple things coming to you too. Because oh, there's, absolutely, there's, yeah. some, there's toxic parts. Of, uh, I mean of that, that that kind of like cog in a a, a machine sort of thing, right? Is, like all for the community, individuality, devalued. Right. It has its own downsides, right? Um, Whereas, but max- it also has upsides. Maximizing like, individuality also has its downsides. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think this movie is trying to get to some middle ground, but I think they really fuck it up at the end, where Michael Douglas gives him these plates and says, "Be like me and t- rip off the system." Like. Yeah, he, he is encouraging his his newfound just, Japanese just, friend. Just print yourself ten, fifteen thousand dollars to go and... against everything that is ingrained in Japanese culture and break the law by counterfeiting a whole bunch of American bills. Right? Mm-hmm. That's essentially what he. Well, see, I wasn't encouraging him to do. I want to put because like I think there's another interpretation that might actually be the correct. But, but he one. says to him, "Look, if someone were to have both of these plates, mm-hmm. they would have no more problems." Well, but and I, then he gives him both of the plates. He, here's my interpretation, because I, I see where you're coming from, but I think what you're supposed to understand is that the Japanese guy suspects Michael Douglas of stealing the plates because he is a thief and he has no honor. Okay. And, and the Japanese guy's face falls like this guy hasn't gotcha. learned a goddamn thing. So, so then, then he gives when them the plates back. are in that present, he now realizes that he was just fucking with him. Okay. I think that's what we're supposed to understand, but God, that's mm. but it's so like my, his character arc is so muddied. Both yeah. of them, honestly, that like I was kind of unsure too. Yeah. I re- I rewound it and watched it, and I'm like, oh, okay, I think this is what you're supposed to understand. I don't. I never felt like they did a good enough job bringing Michael Douglas around to the values of Masa. Right, because I think to, to to an equilibrium. It always felt like Michael Douglas was the overriding right. force in that cultural force. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and to me, so I look at the end and I say, oh shit, he's encouraging his friend to break this mold, which he doesn't want to break. Right. Uh, and I I think oh that's disgusting. But well, the other thing is like could be right. So many things that he like. So Michael Douglas at one point they're investigating a crime scene and he's not even supposed to be there, which is another reason why I think well, <laughs> well he's not even supposed to be there. And he steals like a stack of money, like a thousand dollars. Yeah. And uh, Mas reports him to his superiors and they're going to deport him, send him home. Mm-hmm. And Michael Douglas reveals that he knew they were counterfeits and he does it by burning one and blah, blah, and like that. And then he's like, you should always talk to your partner before you talk to boss. I'm like, what about you, fuckface? How about not yeah. just stealing evidence for whatever reason? Like, what if right. you go to Maz like, hey, man, these look like they're counterfeits. I think I got a burn test so we can try it for sure. You feel like burning $100? Like, uh-huh. like you can't fucking point that finger at Moss without... Four fat ones sticking back at you. Yeah. Because you are running roughshod over this guy for the entire movie. You disgrace him. You get him in trouble mm-hmm. with superiors. Oh, like, he's ruining his life. Like He really he, is. He's, he's not only has he lost his job. He lost respect uh, of his son. He lost the respect of his family. All the family he has I can t- that I can tell. It seems like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's dis- he's dishonored himself right he feels he's lost all his pride like but that that's another that's another through point that the the film tries to make where there's this theme of there are codes of conduct and 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 people need to know when you should break them mm-hmm. the yakuza makes that point like yes you can do you you can you can eschew tradition from time to time but you know here's the parts where important the police make that even even like andy garcia makes that point to michael douglas but yeah there's never a point where Michael Douglas gets his come up. I, I guess Andy Garcia getting killed, but they the way they filmed that is like Andy Garcia is a, a, of a is a jackass. Like mm-hmm. if Andy Garcia was acting less like a jackass in that moment, he'd still be you know alive. It's not so much as a come up. Yeah. I, I I think that would work better if Michael Douglas had gotten Andy Garcia dead because of his pride and arrogance. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, there are moments where Michael Douglas. I mean, this is close. To is that... about to lose. Yeah, um, which which I guess are important. But yeah, the the. I guess he doesn't. You know, I, I wish his partner's death would have happened at a different time. Mm. I guess some sometime where, like you said, it would be 
more evident that it was his fault. Yes. Um, and and that's what I'm saying. Like this movie is so close to being a classic. I, like, I think, I think so, if yeah. the balls bounce a few different ways, if there was a little bit more mm-hmm. time. And the, the thing is, like, I don't know. That's the question is, like, I don't know in 1989 if anyone saw this because we were in this, like, economic war with Japan. Yeah. And they were seen broadly as kind of like the enemy and, like, this, like, you know, culture we didn't really understand. And, you know, uh, like, 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 kind of the, the way, like, when Rocky shows up to to fight. Drago, mm-hmm. they don't really give a a fair characterization of the Russian people and sure. what they're about. Yeah, you know, like when Michael Douglas comes to solve this crime in Osako, it's not it. He's not coming as Andy Garcia trying to find a middle ground. He's like, I I this I've got truth, justice in the American way, and and money laundering and counterfeiting <laughs> and skimming off of the top, uh-huh. and this is the way. And y'all need to get fucking on board. Yeah. Uh no it's it's it is a shame that I guess it's not a little bit better because or maybe like I wonder if I go back and I look at some of these other movies from the era that I love um if I looked at them more objectively if or if I had seen this at the time mm-hmm. you know maybe it would be more of a classic to me yeah uh cuz I think about like movies like Die Hard and stuff mm-hmm. and I mean, they're doing a lot of the same things, and they're ridiculous in their own way, right? And right. but I love those movies, right. and it's only because I saw them at the time, right? So maybe this is a victim of me just having not seen it at the time and looking at it twenty, thirty years later. You know, uh, the other thing impressive about this movie is the number of dick kicks. Oh, that, that Michael, Michael Douglas, Douglas can sustain yes. in the final scene in the final fight he of this movie. He can really take a shot to the balls. Like that Sato guy, is that a guy the upstart Yakuza? Yeah. He he gets some wicked, wicked yeah. kicks right and right, punches. Kicks and punches right to the beanbag on Michael Douglas, and Michael Douglas does not is not having it. Yeah. He find he he digs deep and is able to and that's the other thing is I was about to laugh out loud because they did such a crazy job of backwards establishing this giant stake sticking out of ground that yes. Michael Douglas could ram this guy through. And I'm like, this is not the way to do this. Like, you should have established that this is a threat. And, uh-huh. like, you, you can't, like, right before you ram someone on it, like, eyeball it. And then the bad guy eyeballs it. <laughs> and then you eyeball him. And then he eyeballs you. And, and then like, you dare... smile at the camera and wink. And then, like, then they show him, like, perp walking him into the yeah. station to the amazement of all the Japanese police. And I'm like, okay, thank God. Because this was about uh, to turn into farce. I guess he learned the true spirit of, of Japanese policemanship in that moment. He could have killed the guy. I think Michael Douglas... 20 minutes earlier in the movie would have killed that guy. And that's a point that I think would have been cooler had the movie had been a, a had a better vision of what it was about because that's yeah. essentially Michael Douglas deciding to honor his living partner right. over avenging his dead one, yep. who he kind of let down and disgraced anyway. It's kind of like, you know, uh, I, I, that, that is actually a moment of, of, of growth. Mm-hmm. Um but it was so, it was so clumsily, by yeah, I think it was clumsily filmed. Yeah. Oh, um, for sure, it, for sure. That was not a truly inspiring moment of of uh, filmsmanship there. So, right. What are you gonna uh, do? I'm trying to think what else I want. I mean, there's to... a lot of stuff. Like, okay, let's talk about the title, Black Rain. So they explain oh, this right. somewhere through somewhere in the middle of the movie when they get to Sagai, He's talking with Michael Douglas, and he tells them. Basically about the this the is the loss. old yakuza crime. This is the yakuza Godfather, right? Yeah, and he tells Michael Douglas basically that black rain is a term, um, or, or that this idea of black rain was from right after when the bombs dropped mm-hmm. and they were, you know, living underground for days and they came up and there was this black rain um, from all the fallout, from all the fallout, and then after that point, like somewhere along the way, people lost, I guess, the true spirit of the Japanese culture well, in then his the United mind. States, and this is true. United States came in. They, right, completely, the up, they completely uprooted the Japanese culture. They, they yeah. disbanded they the, a lot of things about it. They, they wrote their constitution. They forbid them from bearing arms. And his thesis was it broke something, essentially, right. Japanese people. And this is why you've got in maniacs like Sato running around. Yeah. And I feel like the I'm trying to figure out where i come down on this given the context of the movie like that's a, that's the, the too stuff, that's too important a topic to spend 30 seconds establishing and then abandoning 
I feel like the whole movie is trying to address it, but it's not quite hitting for yeah, me. Yeah, like like you need to you need to make the movie about like Sato and his relationship with his bosses and like growing up and is that like like you I would need, like, like a an lost exploration in translation, of what right? dropping two atomic bombs on a largely already defeated people and then have right. these foreigners that you've always looked down on in this very xenophobic racist way come in and tell you how th- they they disband disband they they destroy your god emperor. And then, mm-hmm. like, dictate terms to you, and right. you're ruled for <laughs> a decade by a military general and not allowed to carry arms. And, like, it's like that must be a trip yeah. to go through as a culture and a people. For sure. And I don't think this movie does a great job I, of addressing I, yeah, it. I, I, I am no closer to understanding any of those themes than, than, than I, I was beginning this movie. I just don't feel like this is the format, like this neo-noir yeah, right. crime thriller is the format to explore that topic like you need something like graveyard or the fire or blade runner or, like you need yeah. a, a blade runner feel to it for mm. for this person to come into this foreign land and maybe be you know pig-headed like michael douglas is at the beginning but come farther along that journey like right. i i want him to truly understand what it means to be a japanese person after the war right uh as opposed to just like halfway meeting this one detective because he likes the dude and they had some gun battles together. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I agree with you on that. Just don't think it was very good. Um, and then I uh, this uh, this Sagai guy, I, I, we talked about his voice. It's it's incredible. But I after he explains this Black Rain thing, you see him in a scene just chain smoking, and he's got an assistant who is handing him the cigarettes as lieutenant assisted uh-huh. chain smoking. And I'm like, uh-huh. you did not get enough cancer juice from the bomb. You're looking to just end your life early. Aren't you? That's right, Maybe, maybe that's maybe. really right. He's the only guy in the room. I mean, smoking. If, I, if I bathed in black rain of radioactive fallout from an atomic bomb, I think I would, You'd think I, you're I would be boy. like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to do whatever the hell I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat burnt bacon. I'm <laughs> going to chain nothing smoke. to get up my I'm chances more. To, I'm going to get 50 chest x-rays a year. Yeah. I'm going to take 100 transatlantic high-altitude flights. Like, I just want all <laughs> all the carcinogens all the time. I'm going to have my pajamas made out of asbestos. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Do you have anything else you want to talk about, or should we get to Sean Ray kind of, like, go back now that we've established our true thoughts of the film? Um, and I hope – I mean – I hope Sean gets the impression that, like, like I said, I didn't hate this film. No, no, no. And I kind of admired a lot of the stuff it was trying to do. I just, I guess, if this, if, if Ridley Scott made this move, movie twenty years, twenty years later, or somehow took a sensibility of America from twenty years later and then made the film at the time, it'd have been a much better, much better film. Yeah, it's definitely hurt by the time it was made. Or made it um, focused on Andy Garcia and and Michael Douglas is the 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 you know oafish buffoon. Maybe Michael Douglas right. is who is, dies, and then Andy Garcia yeah. decides how to best honor his complicated memory. Mm-hmm. I'm like because uh, I really I really like the char- the Andy Garcia character. Yeah, no, he seemed like a, a good guy, and they have like this whole karaoke scene with I think him. I think it's weird taking your shoes off or you're riding postillion on the back of a motorcycle and waving in some dude's face like i was trying to think of how that worked like you're in the you get you got your coattails flying and you got your foot on the foot pegs and you're just going to reach down there by that hot ass uh exhaust pipe and you're going to pull off a shoe and you're going to wave it in front of michael douglas's face and brag about how expensive they are (laughs) i guess that's a weird weird ass scene man it's a weird ass scene it is there there are a few of them in here um I don't know why the Japanese detectives or the Japanese police force didn't just send them home to begin with. Like, I, I yeah, guess why was, give them the opportunity to to do their own police work, especially since civilians? Michael Douglas was just so offensive yeah. and uh, disrespectful and force these fools back into a plane from the beginning. To New York, yeah. Uh, yeah, and they finally try it after he mucks everything up, but they don't get very far with that. I guess. The airport security over there is not what it is in 2018 America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so do you want to talk about uh, where this fits in the Ridley Scott pantheon? Well, first I want to talk very quickly about the police work that is done in this movie because I feel like it's also of the era where okay. 
now you would have a much more techno-centric oh, right. um, kind of thriller, I think. Mm-hmm. You you just don't get these like hard-boiled, hit-the-streets, pound-the-pavement kind of police. certainly have a lot of microscopes an- analysis yeah. of the fibers of the bills. And... <laughs> the, and you wouldn't have the scene where he goes in and he trashes uh, Sato's hideout. Right. And then finds the sequins which point him to, apparently to the only woman in Japan who wears sequins. Right. Which is the the gaijin lady, whatever her name is. Yeah, Kate Kate, Kate Capshaw, Capshaw, yeah. Uh I thought that was funny. But yeah, the the style of police work is very of the time too. Uh where does this fit into the because like where does this fit into the his his overall body of work? Because I was going through his early stuff, you know, he's got Alien classic, Blade yeah. Runner classic, Legend. I don't care for it. But, you know... I'm not sure I've seen that one. That's Tom Cruise, Fights the Devil. No, uh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> essentially, I think that's the one. Or am I getting that? Yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely Tom Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tim Curry is the devil. Um, and it's this, this high, like, weird fantasy concept thing he's got going on. Um, I don't think it holds up. Um, but I, I think we're, we're, this is where the Black Rain kind of era fits in. Dumb yeah. Louise is better... I haven't seen 191492 uh, or White Squall. I have seen G.I. Jane. I feel like it's around mm-hmm. G.I. Jane, kind of like a broad characterization of some intersections of interesting parts of the culture that Ridley Scott doesn't do a great job of having in- an interesting or informative thing to say. Hmm. Um, you know, Have you seen G.I. Jane? No. That's Demi Moore's yeah. becoming a, the, the first female Navy SEAL. Yeah, I know it's about. I haven't seen and it. And Viggo Mortensen is the villain. As oh, the, okay. The, he's really good as the uh, the Navy uh, SEAL drill instructor. Gladiator is a better movie. Hannibal. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think of Hannibal? Because I think Hannibal's kind of a mess, too. Shit, I haven't. I don't know that I've ever seen Hannibal. You've not seen Hannibal? I've seen parts of it. I know. I've seen, like, the brain scene. Right. Um, I, but I don't think I've seen the whole movie. Um. Black Hawk Down is way better. Matchstick Men is way better. Yeah. I haven't seen Kingdom of Heaven. American Gangster yeah. is like on, on another level. Uh-huh. And I haven't seen The Body of Lies. I saw the the Robin Hood remake with uh, uh, Russell Crowe. I get it's kind of oh, yeah. it's kind of at that level. Um, like I said, like there's it's it's I can't there's no I haven't seen a bad Ridley Scott film in here. Mm-hmm. Like even Alien Covenant, I wouldn't describe as a bad movie. I'd describe it as a as, as a wrong headed chapter in the Alien lore. But it's 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 not a terrible movie. No, um, it's just a movie that probably didn't need to be made and didn't didn't answer any questions. So I guess I would put it into that that bottom third. Like not failures, but they have enough significant missteps and slightly muddled attempts at what they're trying to do that they're not certainly not the some of the classics and masterpieces of his other stuff right um do we want to entertain where uh michael douglas fits in the badass pantheon <laughs> would you care to explain the pantheon to people that might have been hearing this concept for the first time yeah i mean the pantheon is just like badass action heroes of of the ages um and we have a three I guess criteria system for rating them. One oh shit. What are the what are the names? I know they're the three C's. There's a the champion. Like, phys- they're physical. Right. Physical. Are they a physical? You look at them and you're like, Jesus Christ, that's a physical champion. Yeah. Um, there's charisma. Charisma to like how basically how charming are they? Um, like Bruce Willis scores highly on that. Like those, like if they come up and say, kind of "Fuck you, pal." Like, does it seem desperate or does it seem impressive? Yeah, like like Clint Eastwood comes and growls "fuck you" in your face. Like mm-hmm. you sit up and take notice. Uh, you know, Zach Galifianakis does it, and you you're <laughs> like, "That's this is just sad." Yeah, he can't. Zach Galifianakis cannot be a badass. And then there's the third C, which is the characters that they play. If you, how how awesome are how good and awesome are the characters that they have portrayed? Right, like if you with play, Arnold Schwarzenegger being like the top character, of and all and, time. and and the poster boy for that would be like. Um, Keanu Reeves. Sure. I would never consider yeah. Keanu Reeves a badass on any of the other C's. Right. But God damn it, he's played enough badass characters and pulled it off that you have to consider him a badass. Yeah. Between John Wick and Neo, Neo alone. And, like right. those two. Speed, like he's got enough action credentials on IMDB that you cannot leave him out of conversation. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's Michael nothing Douglas, particularly badass in this movie that Mike, Michael, Michael Douglas, Douglas does. Michael Douglas is 
he he doesn't have the characters. In fact, this is the only kind of like badass role I can even think. And and he, it, it, like again, he's channeling Philip from from the Americans picking up a fourteen year old in his most badass <laughs> phases, which is uh-huh. not which is not badass, right? Uh, so he doesn't have the characters. His charisma is much more oily. Yeah, like 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 Wall Street. Yeah, like like he's 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 got a, the sleazy charisma, which, which I don't really view as charisma, honestly. Like, yeah, I think he I, could steal I, your I, girlfriend. That's a type of charisma yeah, and talk you out of your life savings. I don't think he could walk into a Yakuza bar and have anybody rethinking their life choices. No, no, the way like a John McClane or or like a Dirty Harry could. No, he's he doesn't seem charming. Um, he seems convincing, I guess, at what he's right. trying to do, right. but not in the same way. And as far as his physical championness, I would say that he mm. is dead at like I. Yeah, he looks like an average guy. He looks like he could handle himself the way an average guy could handle themselves yep. in in any kind of fight or martial contest. That's the thing. Like I don't think I would be particularly scared of Michael Douglas in a fight. No, if Michael Douglas came trying to pick a fight, I'd be like. I don't really want to fight, dude, but right. like it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to pick a fight with if, me. If Michael Douglas is the head of my law firm or uh-huh. Wall Street training and yeah. he came in with a head of steam and he's pissed off about something, I might be afraid of him for my job. Yes. Well, I wouldn't be afraid that he would like, you know pick me up and break me in half. Right, right. Like like tear me in half like a phone book the way yeah. like a Dwayne the Rock Johnson or an Arnold Schwarzenegger in his glory days could just, you know. Right show up naked in biker bar and it's not it's it's not completely laughable yeah like michael douglas shows up naked in a biker bar he doesn't clean house i don't know what happens but he he certainly doesn't clean house best case scenario (laughs) is he talks himself into the bed of one of the barmaids right every other scenario goes poorly for him so he gets half a c for character or for charisma for the oily kind of it's talk not you out of your savings charisma. charisma. It's not badass charisma. That's true. It's not badass. Like Jason Isaac's another guy. He's not delivering Jason any Isaac's is not a right? badass. Like, he's he's got that same oily kind of cannot like 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 shifty mm-hmm. clever kind of charisma. Yeah, there there are no one liners that Michael Douglas is gonna deliver and you're gonna go, yeah. I mean his one liners in this series, I, I I wrote a couple of them down. Uh he calls everybody babe in this. I don't, him, I don't really like that. That's not that good. That was weird. Uh, I usually get kissed before I get fucked. Yeah, that was not good. Not a badass line. Mm-mm. Not a badass line. He headbutts a guy and just says, I just wanted to talk. Not 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 a badass. Sometimes you gotta forget your head and grab your balls. Okay. If that's... John McClain yeah. had said that to Carl Winslow. Yep. <laughs> As he's trying to get Carl Winslow to get off his ass and do something he knows he needs to do, badass. Right. In context and character, I'm like, no, use your head more, man. (laughs) This ball stuff has done nothing but get your partner killed. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, I I, I, unfortunately I don't think I don't think he he fits in the pantheon. He doesn't he doesn't fit in the pantheon of badasses. He's like uh, he's in the uh, in the same tier of Adrian Brody is. Adrian Brody had one film predator mm-hmm. yeah where they tried to pass him off as a badass it was a laughable failure and and he 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 shares he time shares that slot with michael douglas yeah okay i'm with you um let's see oh so we can we can talk about some of his favorite scenes a shootout diner in new york uh let's see the chase through the packaging plant uh charlie's death in the parking garage which we both commented on that's pretty effective as amazingly effective for where we were in a port part of the movie and how i felt about uh, michael douglas's character yeah the scene where nick and masha masa shiro share a drink after charlie's death that's the one where he accuses him of being a, f- a thief and disgracing his partner mm. um the final fight in the fields so that was interesting because I I saw a lot of the technical creaky points. Like there's I I could see the squibs on people and like there's one scene where Michael Douglas takes a shot at Sato as he's running through these sheets like on and you could see like these pie plate size things and I'm like just before they I'm like I I, I can see your squibs there guys. <laughs> huh. Um, what did you think about the culture clash the Americans and Japanese? Like we talked about that the decision yeah. of Nick not to kill Sato but to bring him in. I think that's the best and really. That's that's the best character beat that Michael Douglas has. Sure, and um, with maybe the exception of the recontextualized end, I guess. Now that I have to ponder that, but even then, he's making it. He's kind of made. He's. I guess that's fine. 
to to joke about a guy being straight laced. Yeah. Oh, I think so. But the joke yeah. is, I'm 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 exactly what you think I am. Oh wait, I'm not. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh I'm, wait, you've taught me something. Right. I'll still I'll still I'll still uh, shake a goon down for money, but I'm not going to counterfeit. <laughs> right. I'm not I'm not going to become a counterfeiter. Yeah. Um. And yeah, no, we talked about the the badass scale. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Ray, thank you for commissioning yet another podcast. Uh, I hope you, if you didn't like, like you know, I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, anytime we have like anything that's less than gushing, I always worry about what the commissioner is going to think. But I think I thought, I hope you thought it was interesting and funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I certainly tried my best to take the film seriously as it warranted. gave it a, gave it a fair shot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we'll see what we come up with next time. I think, I think we've got the movie Lahane, which I know nothing about that's coming out next, but I, I'm mm-hmm. not sure about that because there was a little bit of, uh, uh, the commissioner maybe, uh, thinking about something different. We also have Looper coming up and Heat, uh, Hmm. Looper, I've not seen, but I'm excited to. That's a Ryan Johnson. For some reason, I thought you and I went and saw that together when it came out. I know, like it's it's uh, so it's um, it's John McClane and uh, and is it JDM? No, not JDM. Joseph, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Gordon Levitt, JGL. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. So like I've 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 wanted to see that. And it's Ryan Johnson's one of his first movie he's made uh, after he kind of got started on Breaking Bad mm-hmm. and then Heat. I haven't seen that movie in like 15 years, but I have phenomenal memories of it. And right. I can't, I cannot wait to, to have you seen heat? I have. Yeah. Everybody's seen heat. Right. Heat's it's, amazing. It's, it's be one awesome. of those like point point break type of movies where yeah. everybody of the era saw it. You know, yeah. And remembers Ex- except it Except for I, I, I have, a, I, I have the memory of it being much, much better than anything like point break. Oh, well sure. Yeah. Yeah. But we got that stuff coming out. Um, so stay tuned to that. We'll be getting to that in the weeks, uh, the, the, the weeks to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also got some fantasy football stuff that we got slate slated in, uh, that we got to get going as well. Uh, and I've got the, those are prisoners. That's a Dennis Villanova, I think, film that we've been wanting to see for a long time. Hmm. Uh, a couple others coming up. So, yeah, stay tuned on the Bald Movies channel to uh, see all these commissioned podcasts will be coming out in January and February. And we will see you on the next one. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. Bye.